Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here today to discuss number two in a two-issue limited series, X-Men and Alpha Flight. This one uh, has a cover date of January 1986, is on, was on sale October 8th of 1985, has a cover price of $1.50, 48 pages, and it's titled The Gift Part 2. 48 very long pages. Some of them are less long, <laughs> but yeah, I would agree. This, this, yeah. There's only one section in this where I was like, oh, thank gosh, uh, we're, we're at the fast part, but the rest of it was very, very meaty. Oh, uh, well, I, I, I disagree, but on the whole, I agree, so. Okay. On the cover of this one, you have Loki, the Lord of Lies, and he is holding up Anodyne, otherwise known as Madeline Pryor, uh, up by the scruff of her neck. All of the other X-Men and Alphans are laid waste on the ground, and it's a bifold cover. So if you look at the back, you got a giant. You got uh, two giants. And I'm guessing if you're a Asgard Loki Thor fan, you probably recognize these giants. But since we're X-Men fan, we're just like, huh? Must be uh, must be Antarctic giants or Canada giants. Or it's a perspective shot. That's right. They're they're in the foreground. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, uh, Nightcrawler is drawn poorly. But no, they're definitely giants because the the giant has North Star, Talisman, and Aurora in his hands. So ah, yes, he's right. pretty big. He's huge. So Colossus lies at his feet. Well, this is uh, uh, proclaimed on the cover as the fight of the century. Mm, lies. <laughs> In the Marvel box, um, we have six heads again, and they're six different heads than were on the issue number one. Oh, yeah. Colossus, Cyclops, Wolverine, Puck, Shaman, and Snowbird. Remember how in issue one, Storm was mysteriously on there? Yeah, I do. No Rogue. They just no love for Rogue. Maybe she doesn't have her Marvel box head portrait drawn yet. Well, let's see. Flipping back. No, oh. no, she's going backwards. She definitely does. She's got a portrait in X-Men Annual Number 8, but it's like a portrait that would never be used anywhere else. I'm going back to issue 190. Okay. And she's got a she's got a head. Oh, she got one in 192 as well. So, yeah, there, there's just... 189, she's got a smile. Really no excuse for this. They got rid of the smile from 189 to 190. What, is she, like, frowning in 190? Oh, actually, in 189... I'm kidding, way off track. We haven't even started. Uh, 189, her, her mouth is colored white, so it looks like she's smiling, but I think it might be the same drawing. Oh, I think that, yeah, it's just her lips, and you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks like a big toothy grin. <laughs> yeah. Shucks. So this one's written by Chris Claremont. Paul Smith is on pencils. Bob Wiasek and friends are inkers. Did they spell Wiasek wrong? I think they did. I thought so, too. The A and the I are transposed. Maybe it's not Bob Wiesek, it's Bob Wiesek. <laughs> Bob Wiesek. Uh, Ann Nocenti and Denny O'Neill are the editors. Tom Orzakowski's lettering. Bob uh, Sharon is the colorist. Heem Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And this story is based on a premise by Jim Shooter. I'm sorry, Heem Shooter, Ann Nocenti, and Denny O'Neill. Do you think Bob Wiesek is... Since it's spelled this way, it's Bob Waycheck. Oh, could be. Definitely could be. On the opening page, we get a really great summary of the last issue that makes me feel like we could have skipped the first issue. It is very concise. <laughs> yep. It 
uh, it catches them up with even more. De- we learn like the the char- like characters' names that we never learned last issue. Like uh, all of the enhanced humans are Brawler, Anodyne. We knew Anodyne, Pathfinder, Beastmaster. They kind of said their names, but not really. Cornucopia, Earthmover, Lorelord, Lord, 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 Lord. Lord, Lord. It's hard to say. Yeah. Master Builder and my favorite, Lord of the Plants. Yeah, I don't recall Lord of the Plants role in last issue, but... Um, hey, everybody, I'm Lord of the Plants. <laughs> want me to see that plant? Or want me to do something to that plant? My favorite panel is the next one where it says, But what Cyclops doesn't know is that we've replaced his Coca-Cola with Pepsi. <laughs> we've replaced his ideas with a daughter that he doesn't know that he has. Rachel Summers. Yep. Rachel wonders, should she truly tell him who she true or should she tell him who she truly is? It's very soap opera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a half commercial, half soap opera. Find out on the next issue, next episode of X-Men and Alpha Flight. So, yeah, we catch up uh, uh, the people that I guess didn't read issue number one uh, or those that read issue one but totally forgot it, and uh, then we continue on. Um, Where we last left off was Shaman's bag had exploded into a bunch of, like, magical, mystical stuff. Yeah, then they, the Aurora uh, Aurora and Northstar threw it away. Yep. Throw it away, throw it away, throw it away now. (laughs) So Shaman's daughter, Talisman, uh, she's now on her own, and she's looking for Kitty Pride. And Rachel. Rachel ran off, and Kitty ran off after her, and uh, Talisman ran after the two of them. She's commenting that she'd really rather have her jeans and her hiking boots, even though the costume is snazzy. It's you know not quite cutting the cutting the mustard, as it were. Them's the breaks of being a superhero. Yeah. So she's wandering around, I guess, like a cave structure, and uh, she finds a book that's been impacted into the side of the wall. Strange. Yeah, she opens it up. It's from Paul Dominic, who is the architect. Master builder. <laughs> Master builder. Uh, and he says, who runs Bartertown? Master builder runs. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, she opens it up. And she's like, these drawings are amazing. But as I keep going, they're... They're getting worse and worse. And this last drawing of a of a of a fort and a kitty cat, this must be drawn by a kid. Why did he draw a cat? I mean, I know why <laughs> this is happening, but it makes no sense still. Oh, I guess I'll just draw a cat. Well, and let's just mark this because I don't really think that this drawing fits in with the rest of the story. Okay. Because you read this and you're like, um, well, obviously somebody's lost their talent if it's the same person drawing all of these. Uh, but not only have they lost their talent, it's like they've reverted in mental capacity to that of a six-year-old drawing pictures of forts and kitty cats. <laughs> and that's, well, I'm going to spoil it. That's not what this story is about at all. Although that would have been interesting. Uh, the story the story ends up being so vague that I, I, I would argue that it could be about whatever Chris Claremont wants it to be about. True. And I don't have the energy or the care to, to have that battle or conversation. So uh, I'll agree with that. So Kitty, she phases through the wall and she's like, looking for me, Alvin. Yikes. <laughs> and uh, Talisman's mad that Kitty snuck up on her. And uh, they do a little bonding. Hey, I'm not a kid. And I'm not a kid. I'm in college. Hey, me too. Sort of. Yeah, uh, she's not used to being in the superhero biz. Uh, is Kitty in college the way that Jean Grey was in college for like one issue? <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, she's going to Professor Xavier's right now. We we had that, that issue where she said Kitty Pride, 
leaves the X-Men and the X-Men will never be the same. That was like her one day at college. Is she still uh, enrolled in Emma Frost Academy? I can't imagine. I think that story's <laughs> been dropped. So yeah, they're bonding. And it's almost like they're reintroducing uh, the characters to the reader. They're like, this person's name is Shadowcat. This person's name is Talisman. I can phase. Hiya, Lockheed. Any sign of Rachel? Dragon? Yeah. By the way, you're a dragon. <laughs> and your name is Lockheed. Um, so they find some rune stones. Uh, Kitty wonders if it's important. Talisman's like, maybe, but I don't really know. Got to find out some more information. Got to do some investigating. And that's when Lockheed pushes Kitty out of the way. Um, I guess reminding her that she has to go find Rachel. guess Lockheed has found Rachel because she says, I'm a dunce. You have found Rachel. And then Lockheed says, yeah, yeah. Does he say, yeah, yeah, or is he, like, more snooty and snobby, like, yeah, yeah? Uh, we've had this discussion before, and honestly, he's whatever you want him to be. I want him to be, like, a dignified Englishman. <laughs> okay. Well, that's your Lockheed. <laughs> mine is mine is more of the, uh, um, like, Dino from the Flintstones okay. variety. You don't want to go, like, the snarf route? Ugh. <laughs> what would that be, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm scared. All right, so uh, Lockheed and Kitty, they come uh, up to Rachel. Rachel's kind of hiding uh, among, not hiding, but she's definitely wants to be alone on top of this mound. And uh, she's like, go away. Can't you see I want to be alone? Stupid meddling brat. And she, what is she fires like a side beam at her or something? Yes, a side bolt at Kitty, which is a lot of character. Yeah, well, you know, I guess Kitty phases through it. Sure. Or something. Or maybe it doesn't really do anything. Maybe it's all just a light show designed to keep Kitty back. Could be. Kitty's like, you stay back, Talisman. She's my friend, my teammate. I'll handle this. So Rachel is upset because in the last issue, it was revealed that Scott and Madeline are having a uh, baby. And Madeline is pregnant and the child is a boy. Kitty says, I know how you feel. How can she know how she feels? Um... She's been sad before? <laughs> yeah, the only thing that she has that uh, kind of, maybe, possibly, sort of compares is that her parents got divorced. But Rachel's in a much different predicament where her father and mother can't ever get together because her mother's dead. Yeah, plus the whole alternate timeline. She just found out that she doesn't really exist. Right. She she is a woman who potentially is lost amidst the time stream and, and may not exist. Uh, Except you do exist, says Kitty. Logically. Yeah. My past is a lie, kitty. So they, I don't know, they have like a little heart to heart. Uh, they they embrace one another. Kitty says your world sucks. So isn't it good that you're here and maybe maybe your world won't happen now? Yep. That's cool. Yeah. So kind of like uh, the, the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the one kind of happening here. Like it sucks for you, but maybe it's better for everybody else. So deal yeah. with it. Suck it up. It's kind of the theme of this issue. Hmm. Is it? Hmm. Hmm. Earthquake! <laughs> yeah, an earthquake uh, comes out of nowhere. Uh, there's a little action here as they escape. This is the first part that I thought was the part that flowed kind of quickly. Oh, okay, sure. Because I was like, I was imagining like an action sequence where uh, Rachel blows a hole in the wall and Talisman and Lockheed and Kitty race through and the, the, the wall is collapsing and then... Kitty phases back to get to Rachel, who's holding the walls up, and the two of them then phase back out, and it's complicated because, as Kitty points out, she has to hold her breath in order to stay phased. 
but if she if she breathes, she might solidify inside of a rock. And apparently, she has to. She tells Rachel that she has to hold her breath too, which is all stuff that I had no idea about Kitty's powers. Um, and then they escape, and whew, that was fun. Yeah, but it takes like three pages for this whole thing to happen. It was it was an action packed three pages compared to the previous like twenty. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Yep. So they all escape. They're up on a ledge. Lockheed's there. Talisman. Um, Did we know that about Kitty's powers that she has to hold her breath when she's phased to stay phased? Yeah. Is this something that disappears? No, no, it stays for sure. I feel like there was an issue that occurred a while back where she talked about having to hold her breath, but I couldn't point to exactly what it is. Maybe this is the first issue of that. Now, the person that she's phasing with her also has to hold their breath. That doesn't make any sense. You know, I've okay. So I, I don't know what what they're doing or how they're they're trying to to convey it, or they're just making it up as they go. It it would yeah. seem. But I've always envisioned Kitty's powers um, to be when you're phasing through a material. Uh, you're it's like you're in water. Uh, and then when you phase through that object and there's no barrier between you and oxygen, then you can breathe again. So is she saying that she has to hold her breath the entire time she's phased or just when she's phasing through something? Uh, I have to phase. That'll slow me down. I have to I have to become solid to take a breath. Wow. So if she breathes, she has to unphase. Well, that's not – that gets changed then. On the other hand, in the, in the following page – she takes a breath, but her feet are still phased in the wall. So apparently it's just her head. Yeah, I'm a little confused here. Because there will be a point in Kitty's career where she's permanently phased. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, spoilers. Well, it's, it's, it's in a while. It's a, you'll forget by then, dear listener. Special so occasion. Uh, Rachel is also giving us, uh, or is uh, indicating here that she can fly using her telekinesis. I don't think we have seen that before. She mentions it. Well, she doesn't mention it this time, but she, yeah, she, she does, she does fly. Later in the issue, she'll say, I can use my telekinesis to fly. Right. But here in this page, uh, she says, I think I can carry talisman. You think? And, uh, she's levitating here. So she doesn't call it out, but. She's definitely floating. Uh, they have exploded a wall out into the chasm of this uh, temple, which in the middle of the, the uh, crater uh, chasm is a is a giant wall of light they're calling the fire fountain. Um, and that is what gives the powers to humans to be super. Uh, Kitty warns Talisman and Rachel to avoid it. And it looks like it stretches out to Talisman, hits the two of them. And then in a sort of comedic panel, they are flattened into the wall, but not hurt. Yes. There are body shaped holes in the wall now. Yeah, I was a little confused by this. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I guess, well, no, Rachel's not invulnerable. We don't really know much about Talisman or what power she got out of this whole deal. But, yeah, they, they should have been smooshed. Well, she says in the next page, I felt positively supercharged, which is probably why neither Rachel nor I were hurt by the backlash. I was somehow able to protect us both. So lots of gibberish to explain why they're not dead. Kitty says that sorcery doesn't just happen. Spells have to be cast. And then so Kitty is deducing something about magic that we haven't really figured it out. That cave-in cave wasn't an accident. Somebody was afraid we'd learn something we weren't supposed to. I'm putting on my detective shoes. <laughs> 
Citadel, the transformations uh, that the people up there have gone through has been presented as the best thing that's ever happened. The solution to war prejudice, famine, disease, uh, want, all humanity's ills. Maybe it is, but suddenly I've got a whole lot of doubts, Kitty says. And so they decide to go confront Cyclops because he was the first person to be changed by the fountain, or his wife was, and then he was. Do you think they're lying? This is the part of Chris Claremont's writing that annoys me. When everybody starts to kind of sound the same, <laughs> mm-hmm. like Cyclops and Wolverine and now Kitty all do this kind of like, uh, supposition, supposition, supposition. Maybe it is, but suddenly I've got a whole lot of doubts. Right, right. I could hear Wolverine saying that. I could hear Cyclops saying that. It's just, you know. It's his it, thing. It doesn't, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting older and noticing it more. <laughs> So the rest of the X-Men and Alphans are up in like a dining room or something. They're eating some food. This kind of annoyed me because they all just had this fantastic meal and they're all talking about it. These are lovely clothes and that's the best meal I've ever eaten. Oh, and by the way, Shaman's almost dead and uh, Snowbird is lost. They should be, everybody should be searching for Snowbird. Yeah, I, I was a little confused when I was reading this issue because I was like, okay, well, in the last pages of the last issue this crazy thing had happened with shaman's magic bag and everybody's just like eating out at the buffet <laughs> it doesn't really seem to be in the character of the uh, x-men or alpha flight people but maybe it's because of their powers and they're all um less uh i don't know caring yeah <laughs> I, I, know. I did i did think of that maybe whatever is happening is also making them not quite think things through there's no evidence of that but you know it helps <laughs> it helps to believe that sure so uh cyclops is making out with madeline hey i'm gonna be a dad it's pretty cool yeah um yeah madeline's pretty happy to be a mother um she makes a little joke about uh how can her son not be anything perfect if her mom is madeline Pryor? <laughs> <laughs> and they start kissing and that's when the rock shaper comes in and uh, she's very tired yeah this was a little confusing to me too it's like she just comes in cyclops is like interesting the way these new powers seem to relate to the primal aspects of your lives and personalities look at that woman looks out on her feet so she's just really tired and that's when madeline anodyne comes well, up jeremy she's really tired because of what happened in the last scene which was earthquake Oh, do you think she did the earthquake? Yeah. I totally missed that. I thought Loki did the earthquake. No, I missed it the first time, but it makes sense now. Okay. Well, now that you say it, I still don't care. Okay, so she sits down <laughs> and Anodyne comes in and uh, heals her. Kind of gives her a little bit of energy back. Trouble, says Cyclops. Nothing earth-shaking, says Madeline. <laughs> Let my healing flames restore your strength, Madeline. There is something you must know, dot, dot, dot. I understand. You rest. I'll take care of things. Oh, wait. So Madeline must be in on this whole thing. They all are. Oh. Spoilers. <laughs> That's never made clear to me, unless I missed something. This whole, this, this issue isn't very well written. I'll, let's just put that right out okay, there. I, maybe, maybe this is one of the times that rather than, than, we need to put all the information we have forward rather than, than than uh, spoon feeding it because like this this issue is poorly crafted. Okay, <laughs> I'm with you because okay. So in the next scene, uh, Madeline excuses herself from um, Cyclops. Kitty follows her, and she's doing something weird to Wolverine. Uh, and we find out that what it is was uh, Madeline taking away Wolverine's 
um, berserker state, his psycho state, his insane state. Right. Why is Wolverine's bed so big? I don't know. <laughs> he is in a giant bed. It's like three times as long as him and definitely five times as wide as he is. He's using up a sixth of the bed. <laughs> He's got to be so comfortable though right now. <laughs> totally just spreading out. And and it, and Madeline is kind of sneaking around. She's looking over her shoulder, and Kitty notes this. She's like, "Why is Madeline doing this? Doesn't make any sense." And Wolverine's like, "I feel great. I'm I'm a human." Kitty reminds Wolverine's like, "Look, if you didn't have your berserker side, Ogan would have killed us both." You saying, girl, I can't hack it as a man, only as a psycho? Kitty's like, "Well, I'm sorry. Have you found Snowbird?" <laughs> and this is when Wolverine says, "I can't remember." So what happened here, if you didn't catch this, is they they go on to say that Beastmaster, Beastmaster. <laughs> I remember um, that movie from the 80s. <laughs> his power is to control animals. And the implication here is that Wolverine was on Snowbird's trail and suddenly he was like, oh, I need to go to bed. And so he ran, ran back to the thing and got into his gigantic bed and forgot promptly what happened. So this is a plan between Beastmaster, Madeline, and Stone Sculptor? Yeah, all the all the humans are working together. Good grief. All right. Okay, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Just none of that is clear. I mean, no, I guess it's really it's really not. When you say it, it's like, okay, I guess that all makes sense. And I'm almost wondering if Chris Claremont was trying to make like a mystery story here. I think so. Um, towards the end, the reason that I'm piecing it all together through this second reading is there's a couple of lines of dialogue, which hopefully I'll remember to point out, but can't guarantee anything. No, we got a lot of comic left to go through. Yeah. At some point we're just going to start flying through this thing. <laughs> this is how it was when I was reading. It. I was like, Jesus, I've read like three pages and there's still like 30 to go. Like a never ending book of all right anyway so yeah they so wolverine supposes that now that he doesn't have his beast side uh that he they now have an advantage right and this is kind of what confused me because uh kitty does say the thing about Beastmaster, which totally makes sense if animals or if wolverine's got his animal uh psycho berserker side and madeline has taken away that then Beastmaster can't control him, so now Wolverine is free to kind of do what he needs to do. But that's apparently not the case. But it's what happens because they head on out and they find Snowbird. No, is that Snowbird? They find Yeah, Snowbird in a cave, all uh, wrinkled up and shriveled. They also find all of Shaman's bag monsters wrestling, which is kind of funny. Yeah, Aurora flies Wolverine over to the cave where they think Snowbird is. And yes, there's a whole bunch of dragons and monsters and stuff that's from Shaman's bag. And they're like, oops, guess that's where that bag landed. We'll come back for that later. I like this panel of Wolverine surfing. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a bad panel. I mean, it's I mean, it's really just the Wolverine part of it that I like. Yeah. Although I like the Aurora in the background and even Lockheed. So Wolverine walks in. Snowbird's like, "Let me die." Wolverine's like, "No, darling, today's not your day." And that's when Beastmaster shows up, and he's got a whole bunch of bears and stuff behind him, and he's like, "Get out Pathfinder here!" Pathfinder too. Oh, Don't Path forget about Pathfinder. So Pathfinder found him, and Beastmaster has the beast. So they're like, "Come out." We're going to kill you. You want the Lady Rodriguez and a, and a line of fire comes out of the cave with a mighty roar. Wolverine says, you got to go through the dragon and me. Which I'm Wolverine. It's a great image of Lockheed. Wolverine could use a little bit of work. I really like the idea of Wolverine coming out with Lockheed on his arm. But 
this panel doesn't quite pull it off as much as I'd like. It's some there. This this the artwork in this is kind of hit or miss. Like mm-hmm. I feel like they could have broken this into maybe a four issue limited series or maybe even three and just cut some of the stuff out and that would have given paul smith more time because i like paul smith's artwork yeah and some of this stuff is really good but there's definitely this feeling that he's getting tired (laughs) he's yes he's definitely being rushed through this particular issue you know i'll back at uh the the base or whatever uh there's a there's a um muscle competition between sasquatch one of the other big guys in colossus brawler brawler yeah sasquatch is putting the moves onto aurora no they're 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 lovers i know so it's cool but he's like filled with confidence he's like hey so in the background north star is like and that's when rogue comes out and she's kind of the belle of the ball she's wearing a blue dress she's got a big red rose on her chest um again nobody's really concerned about snowbird or shaman uh but rogue would like to have a dance with north star yeah it's very strange um and and this is where paul smith shines these are some really good panels of rogue yes um the one where her head's kind of tilted off to the side she's like i just want to waltz it's a really good picture yeah, yeah, agreed. And even the next panel of uh, Aurora and Sasquatch sitting on the couch, that's also well drawn. Yeah. And uh, so, so Rogue's like, oh, I absorbed his powers and psyche, so I know some things about him. North Star, yeah. And uh, John Paul, you don't have to. And, well, uh, she comes out and asks him to dance, and he says, I'd rather not. But he does it anyway, because I guess because everybody else is making fun of him. Even simple friendship is more than North Star's prepared to give. He's a real d bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not like they're not being very nice to him. I don't know what North Star's deal is. I mean, we do eventually find out, but I don't know if that relates to that. Is he just a selfish dude? I think right now he's just angry about his sister being swept up with his romance with his dude. He's just brooding. So they dance and they're talking a little bit about anodyne. And uh, I feel like Chris Claremont's implying a little bit of a uh, attraction on North Star's part for Aurora that I don't think it carries over into the Alpha Flight books. Oh God! But uh, <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah, he is known to go weird places with that type of thing. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, Rogue's like, "I'm so happy. I'm set free. Madeline did this. This is awesome. I can touch people and I don't have powers. It's great." Remember this later. It'll come up. So Puck and uh, Heather and the professor, they all have a little conversation. Uh, just again, talking about their powers, but then also talking about how sad they are for Shaman. Oh, yeah. Remember Shaman and and uh, and, and Snowbird? Everything's Boy. great, except for those two, man. <laughs> those two have it rough, but we've got it awesome. So um, a couple people go to the library. Talisman brings that touchstone that she found or headstone or whatever it is and lore lord um who if you'll recall i remember him he was the the mechanic on the plane in the last issue right uh, who was always reading books and stuff Mm -hmm. um he is able to decipher the stone the rune stone and it is a dedication to loki yep cut to loki yep and he's sitting on his giant throne he's like i've given these fools the power to reshape their world why can't they take it i feel like your loki is like the old guy in a horror movie who tells the kids not to go stay at the cabin (laughs) that place is haunted you go home (laughs) is he in on it jeremy is he in on it (laughs) you'll never know 
But probably. He's probably in on it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was in on it. That's true. You you saw Cabin in the Woods, right? I did. And that one he wasn't in. Well, he was he was in on the big thing, but. Right. Yeah. Right. What he about. Wasn't, he wasn't a part of the uh, the murder spree. <laughs> right. Right. What about the guy? Uh, isn't there a, a warning guy in the Friday the 13th movies? He wasn't in on it. I have no, I don't, I'm not as familiar with the Friday the 13th movies as you are. Well, the only okay. one I really saw was Jason X, the best one. Oh my God. That movie is great. I'm not even being uh, um, facetious. That movie's awesome. I, I, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, Loki's like, I don't understand. They should take these powers. Stupid humans. <laughs> yep. Uh, Rogue and Northstar are talking. I, I don't even know what about. <laughs> Firestone, Fire Mountains, Paradise Reborn. One does not get something for nothing, Northstar says. I want to know what the price is. Rogue is talking about Aurora's happiness. Um, and, uh, that, I don't know. Northstar is talking about that as well. Um, the, oh, and then at the last second, Rogue says, gasp! Which I don't know why she says gasp. Why does she say gasp? Because she sees Wolverine. Oh, right. Okay. So in the next panel, uh, everybody's inside. It's still by the buffet table. I think there's a few people cleaning up, maybe. They're kind of arguing about whether or not as humans they should spread the the superpowers out to the world. Um, if everybody had them, if we if we could all start pretty much even, it would virtually eliminate that insecurity and perhaps the prejudice that goes with it. That's when Wolverine comes in. He's got somebody over his shoulders. I think it's a... Uh... Beastmaster. Beastmaster. It's past time you lot woke up and took a long, hard look at reality. Mr. Wolverine, what's the meaning of this? This party is over. That's my new catch line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stay out of my head, Charlie. You too, Ray. My thoughts aren't right. It's not for decent people. Uh, We've been conned. uh, Played for suckers. Boyd Wilson, Beastmaster. He's barely alive. But I think I can... Oh, pull him through. I think I can pull him through, says Anodyne. Somewhere in here, Pathfinder, it's uh, declared that Wolverine killed him. Where's Pathfinder? Flying with the angels. He deserved better, but then so do a lot of folks. Takes a big chug of booze. Um, oh, I guess he's got Pathfinder's body behind him. So he drug in Pathfinder. No, no, that's Snowbird. Oh, okay. Well, so Pathfinder's just dead. Yeah, flying with the angels. That's right. So here's Snowbird. Remember Snowbird? <laughs> Here she is. Narya's jerks a- forgot about her, you jerks. Nari is a creature of magic. She took sick the moment the mountain came into being. Shaman's power derives from magic. It went crazy the moment we walked through the citadel doors. His daughter Talisman neutralizes magic. She disrupted the mountain with a touch. I figure it's Genesis. The energy it uses for the transformation has to be magic. So what I'm taking from this is that every time they use the power, a little bit of the world of magic gets sucked into their usage of their superpowers right so dr strange is a little less dr strange every time something happens right same thing with Ilyana. she's probably at the mansion going what the hell exactly uh, and they this is they, they start a big debate about whether or not uh they should sacrifice the good of the few the dr stranges of the world for the good of the many which would be all the humans that are going to get superpowers and They'd cure starvation and everybody would be housed and 
stuff. Good of the many, sacrifice the lives of the few. Basically, they're like, maybe we should let these few magic people die so that everybody can have these superpowers. Uh, and that's when they basically split sides. You got some X-Men in Alpha Flight who say, this is wrong. And you've got some X-Men and some Alpha Flight that say, we should do this. All right, so Kitty says, think about the few who uh, who are going to get really affected by this colossus. Doctor Strange, Nightcrawler's girlfriend, Amanda, and maybe Aurora and Eliana, your kid's sister. Lord knows how many more. What happened to Nightcrawler? I don't know. Okay, he's on the next page. But where has he been this whole time? He has not appeared in a single panel. I, I looked. I was cleaning up the dishes. <laughs> I heard some fighting out here. I'm the leader of the X-Men, so I came out here. Um, I so, think I'll be on the side of Cyclops. Cyclops, could you be the leader? Um, so, yeah, that's when Kitty says she will stand with Wolverine. I didn't even realize at this point that they were about to fight. Oh. But, uh, yeah, everybody takes sides. Colossus joins the, um, let's call them the Inhumans, and um, it's mostly mutants. Cyclops joins the mutants. It's basically X-Men versus Inhumans. Cyclops, Wolverine, Kitty, North Star, the Professor, Rogue... Talisman and Nightcrawler form the Save Humanity. Everybody and Lockheed. else uh, and Lockheed. Everybody else is on the um, to hell with the magic people. Yes, and you know, it, Colossus makes some points. Is like in Mother Russia, we had famine and death and had nothing. If I could give something to everyone, I would do that. Yes. So everybody's intentions are fairly altruistic. Um, it seems like the mutants are, are, are kind of seeing the grander, bigger picture. Maybe, but I don't even know if that's true. It's a tough decision to make, right? Do you sacrifice a handful of people for the, for the quote-unquote good of everybody, or do you try to save those handful of people uh, and keep everybody down? Kitty says, a gift so tainted with innocent blood is one I want no part of. But I got to be honest, Adam, I, I, mean, I don't want to be droll or anything, but 30 years from here, a generation has passed. Everybody's forgotten about that. So True. only this generation and only this small group of people have to live with that sin. And when they die, nobody will know any difference and everybody will have superpowers. But at what cost, Jeremy? At what cost? <laughs> the cost of a handful of people that nobody will ever remember. <laughs> uh, ah. All right, little clip. They should not do that. <laughs> All right, anyways, they fight tons and tons of fighting. Pew, pew, goes Cyclops' optic blasts. Yes, uh, somebody makes the argument that, hey, Scott, Madeline's on the other side, your wife and your unborn child. Cyclops says, well, let's hope this is as hard for them as it is for us. And then he knocks out three of them. Rachel says by focusing her telekinetic power, she can fly. So this is where we get confirmation of that. Uh, she is on the um, inhuman side is what you labeled them. Yeah. Yep. So she takes, her argument is that she, if this if this happens, it's definitely not her future. Definitely is not going to happen. So she's on the side of her future not happening. Yeah, and so you're this far into the comic book, and you're like, Jesus Christ, there's still a ton of pages left to go. <laughs> there are even, so are we many even pages. <laughs> and they're fighting. All right, so they fight. and This is kind of neat. Uh, Rachel can, because she's telekinetic, she can sense where Nightcrawler is going to appear and basically takes him out. So Nightcrawler was on two pages and he's out. There's a neat page uh, where Rogue goes to take Sasquatch's powers and Sasquatch has a really funny, not a funny, but just kind of a, 
a really good facial expression. She can't take his powers, remember? So she's just giving him a uh, a a head a head squish. Oh, I thought she mm. could control her powers. Now she could take powers, but only if she chose to. Is that not the case? Is that how it is? I don't know. It doesn't matter. That would make more sense, I suppose. Um, uh, Beastmaster and Wolverine fight. North Star flies Talisman out of a trap where she was falling. The mutant side has decided that they need to shut down the fountain. Um, and so they they keep trying to get to the fountain, but the Inhumans keep stopping them. And um, they've decided that they need to get Talisman to the fountain because her power is to reverse magic. And they're going to, like, throw her into the fountain or something. Um, but she doesn't want to die. She's kind of scared about that. Um, and then at, out of nowhere, Aurora finds a book on the floor. And so Monsieur Dominique... The architect guy, remember his uh, name? Master Builder. Master Builder. He's like, where did you get that? Oh, I thought I re- got rid of that forever. And he tosses the book aside. And then Talisman is like, his designs, of course. No wonder they seemed familiar. The Citadel buildings, furniture, decorations, everything here. It was made from Dominic's sketchbook. And he's like, shut up. That's crazy. You should be proud. Those are magical creations far beyond the capabilities of any human agency. But with your power, you've made them real. Wait, I said magical and I meant it because that's what they were. This is the key to everything. (laughs) This is terrible dialogue. (laughs) Does the fire fountain consume not just the world's magic, but their own personal inner magic as well? Whatever that means. And does that magic include the ability to dream, to imagine, to create, to leap to conclusions? I created a jump to conclusions, Matt. And that's when he pulls off, uh, Master Builder pulls off his helmet. He's like, you saw the book, Talisman. The last pages are nothing but scribbles. A baby could do better. Now, this is where I disagree, right? So the idea here is that uh, imagination and dreams are also magical, and they are being sucked into the fire mountain. And so the more powers that are granted the less imaginative and creative these people are but still it takes some creativity to decide to put a kitty in the foreground of a fort in the background so i would i would contend that if he was losing his creativity he would go into a sketchbook he would try to draw a building and he would draw a rectangle and be completely out of ideas beyond that that's just me he's he's not quite there yet (laughs) okay Um, i could be no, I see. I, I see what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, they're they're depicting something through his lack of ability to draw changing. So basically, he's losing talent rather than creativity. Right. Yeah. And okay. my argument was that the way that this is described as losing magic, maybe you could argue that his his ability to draw is part of what makes him magical. Sure. But. It's so vague that, like I said, you could argue for anything. You'd probably be right. So Master Builder, he collapses because uh, he's come to the realization that uh, Talisman's probably right. Aurora's like, oh, my God, this changes everything. we got to go tell everybody. So I, I think the, the realization here is not only is the price of magical beings, but it's the price of your own dreams and creativity. So if we bestow these powers upon everybody, nobody will be able to dream or create. But wait, there will be more. This changes everything. We have to tell the others. So they fly in. Everybody's Yes, everybody's fighting. And that's when Talisman and Aurora fly in. And they're like, wait. And they tell everybody what they learned. It's the same with Cornucopia. Show her a recipe or a costume and she'll reproduce it perfectly. But she can't originate anything of her own. I know this because we tried to make potato chips. (laughs) Right. Again, another case of uh, tell but don't show. Like, I don't. 
we saw one frame of cornucopia earlier in this issue, I think. We saw her in the previous issue transform everybody's costumes. That's pretty much it. Right. So we we have no idea that her powers dwindled to just looking at a recipe. But anyways, so they all stop. Uh, they're all figuring this out. And that's when they hear a voice uh, among the mountains, uh, Loki. It's like, I'm Loki, Prince of Asgard. Thanks to the fire mountain, you are no longer human. Therefore, what need have you for your so-called humanity, i.e. creativity and magic and, and talent? And stuff. <laughs> Everyone's like, we don't want this. Cyclops reasons as like, but wait a minute, we are mutants and we can't touch it because we already have power. So we will keep our imaginations and our dreams and our creativity and we'll still be pariahs and outcasts and resented. This Which all, I kind of like. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 that's, that's a cool leap of logic. And, and basically it's like, that's one of the parts I liked about this issue. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And he comes to the conclusion that this changes nothing. And so that's when Cyclops shoots Loki with his optic beams. Wait, first Loki says, well, okay, I'm going to get some some snow giants to uh, back me up. And, and if you don't take it, the snow giants are going to beat you up. <laughs> if you don't take your powers like a good little boy. And that's when we get a great panel of a Cyclops pointing his finger and saying, you don't force people to sack gifts, mister. Yeah, I'm yelling at Loki. And he's like, <clears throat> excuse me, to have any meaning, they've got to be t- freely taken as given. We gods have ever known what is best for thee and thine, Cyclops. Why canst thou not trust me? And that's when Cyclops shoots him. He falls over and he's like, you strike a god. <laughs> and the frost giants, they dare start they spring into action when you x-men make enemies you don't fool about says aurora i think or maybe it's north star i don't know it's one of the two but now it's uh, essentially the x-men and alpha flight versus the frost giants and loki and even some of the humans are helping out yep looks like uh pathfinder punches looks like he misses really but he punched uh, a giant falls over you're right maybe it was a, a sasquatch pushes him and he Pathfinder sits behind there and he trips over Pathfinder. I doubt it, though. So I think you're right about Rogue having control over her powers now. Right. Because she she runs up to Loki and attempts to suck his powers. And, uh, yeah, that, that that wasn't very clear, but... I always wondered what my limit was. Can I absorb the power of a god? And the answer is no. Yo! How gallant, young lady. How futile. Um, Inside the Citadel... Uh, Beastmaster has the opportunity to either kill Shaman or and Snowbird or just leave them behind and let them die. But it turns out he's not so bad. He says, I've seen enough blood today, Shaman. I became as much an animal as the beast I commanded. The memory still sickens me. I still don't much like mutants, but I'm no murderer. I'll save you if I can. So he was the guy on the plane who was like, mutants are awful. But it turns out it wasn't entirely racist. Right. Just... Just scurred. Just, just partly racist. <laughs> Not racist enough to uh, condemn them to die. And that's when I think it's Talisman confronts Madeline. And I guess maybe this is where everything is revealed. At every stage, he manipulated you like puppets. Why else would Earthmover try to bury me and Rachel and Kitty? Or Pathfinder and Beastmaster do their best to murder Snowbird? Are you killers? Is that your true nature? 
You're a healer, Anodyne. Is that the kind of world paid for with innocent blood you want for yourselves? For your children? Loki's gift was my heart's desire, talisman. My finest dream come true. It didn't seem to matter that accepting it, becoming Anodyne, I lost myself. But I was fooling myself. You hear, Loki? I deny you. I deny the false god who proffers it. Meh. <laughs> Loki's like, what a beautiful singing voice you have. Rash... Rash words, woman. Be sure thou'll soon have cause to regret them. And the snow giant swings a club at Anodyne, and Lorelord pushes her out of the way, saying, Skipper, look out! And he gets... He flies across the valley several miles away, which I didn't realize at first. I had to reread this twice to figure out what happened. And that's when Plant Master springs into action and conjures a plant to take out the snow giant. No, he is Lord of the Plants. Sorry. <laughs> I called him Plant Master. Is there... I am Lord of the Plants, and I am here to help you. Is there not a Marvel villain named Plant Master? Oh, probably. Because <laughs> <laughs> if there isn't, there should be. Uh, yeah, so North Star flies uh, Madeline over to Lore Lord, and he's, he's dying. Um, Anodyne's like... Professor X notifies North Star to help Anodyne. What is he doing? He's just like, it's like sitting in the background watching and the jumping into people's heads. Yeah, well, yeah. Do this! Do that! He's a leader. Mind wipe! <laughs> so Anodyne, she she touches Sam's head, Lore Lord, and she's about ready to heal him, but but her healing flames are dying out, and that's when Loki shows up, and he's like, <laughs> I recall thou didst deny my gift. Now, what will you do? They have a big, long conversation. Far be it to me to stand in the way of such righteous determination. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of where, for me, it's sped up, because the panels get a little bit bigger, the dialogue gets a little bit shorter, uh, colors are vibrant, and the art's not all that terrible, so I really like this part as far as a comic book goes. And this is also, like, directly relates to human feelings and not these grand, uh, super heroic stuff. She doesn't want this guy to die in Loki's basically twisting her emotions around this. Right. So it's very, it's very straightforward. Whereas the rest of it is too complicated. Yep. All this stuff happens. And, uh, Loki grabs Anodyne by her neck and is like, you will take my power. Right. And you will save that person. Uh, is that right? Well, he gives her, he gives her the power back by taking one of her tears and cutting a, cutting a slice in her cheek, which gives her her powers back. So basically she says, I need to save my friend. And I will, uh, I will submit to you if if you help me get my powers back. And then she goes to save Sam, and that's when Loki grabs her by the neck and says, "No more defiance. I gave you what you wanted, but now you have to submit to my will forever." And she's like, "Okay." So you feel like the comic is coming to an end, but you still look and you're like, "God, there's so many pages left." <laughs> So, yeah, she bends over. She heals the guy. She's like, I failed you, uh, but I won't fail you again. Uh, she brings Sam back from the brink, and she walks, and she's like, uh, oh, I'm going to bring my kid into this world, and he's going to look up at clouds, and he won't be able to see dragons or horses. All he'll see is clouds. My counter to that is, yes, he'll only see clouds, but he'll never have known that there was something else he should see in those clouds. So to him, it would be perfectly normal. His dad will talk about it, though. Can't you see the horses? <laughs> and he'll be like, oh my God, you're crazy. No wonder people resent you. <laughs> my eyes. <laughs> I'm going to invent a sentinel just to wipe out you imagining people. I used to have a problem with my eyes. 
<laughs> These crazy people just see things that aren't there. It's not healthy. Anyways, yeah, so they come back and everyone's like, all right, we're done with this power thing, right? And Loki, you get out of here. And Loki's like, well, as it turns out, Madeline's on my side. So now what? Yeah, and she apparently speaks for all of you. <laughs> you have your powers. And then the Council of Shadows shows up. They were in the last issue that Loki was trying to, I don't know, be a part of or get powers from or something. And they basically say that Loki um, screwed up. Their, his petition is denied. Um, if if when they rejected his powers, uh, he had said, okay, I guess you reject it and be done with it, they would have accepted his petition, I guess. Um, but, but since he tried to force them to take his gifts, uh, he is banned. Loki's so, tongue and gums aren't colored in. It looks really weird. What panel is that? Right after the uh, the cloud oh, shadow yeah. people show up. Yeah, he's oh. got a white tongue. <laughs> but yeah, so he's... Loki's not going to be part of the cloud club because of because his, his trickery got in the way. He's like, and they, oh, and they also demand that he leave the humans alone. And he's like, fine, I'll leave the humans alone. But I'm taking back everything that they got through the fire fountain. Yeah, it'll be like this never happened. <laughs> so he pulls it all back. Puck shrinks. Uh, the Beastmaster human, I think, maybe, Pathfinder. I don't remember. He shrinks. Uh, Brawler. Brawler. Brawler shrinks. Heather, Heather shrinks. Heather Hudson shrinks. Cyclops just shooting everywhere. My eyes! I'm actually surprised that they didn't decide to make Cy or, uh, uh, Nightcrawler like a normal human being, right? Because Rogue gets control of her powers. Cyclops gets control of his powers. But... Professor didn't really that, get anything. Is that part of his power set? No, but... Yeah, you're right. I well, he's a mutant. Uh, That's part uh, of his mute, mutant, not necessarily it, ability, but... Or is it just because he's the uh, offspring of a bunch of weird-looking demon people? We we don't know that at this point. No, we don't know anything. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, we don't know if... His, like, we know his mutant ability is to teleport and to possibly be a little bit more athletic than normal. Uh, we don't know if his looks are a side effect of his mutant... I mean, I, I don't know. I guess we don't know. I mean, we, we, I guess we assume at this point that they are. Don't forget that he can fade into the background. And oh yeah, he, he disappears into the shadows. That's where he was. This issue, <laughs> he was hanging out in the shadows. I've been scared this whole time. Nobody can see me. This is great. I guess Aurora goes back to her kind of uh, split personality state. Uh, Sasquatch. Does he? Something bad happens to him, right? Uh, yeah, he was. He is slowly losing control of his powers. So right. I guess he's continuing to slowly lose control of his powers. So this all happens. Loki's like, "This doesn't have to happen. The fire mountain still burns. I can, I can undo what I just undid. Like you can have this. You can still have this." If you want. Wolverine says, I'm crazy again. Dang. <laughs> Dang it. Rogue can't touch anybody anymore. I don't dare touch a living soul, else I'll absorb their mind and powers. Basically, the, those that are most affected, Puck, Rogue, uh, well, Jacques Moreau. Master Builder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, he's, I guess he's not most affected, but Aurora, like, okay, so those three who have the most gain or lose from this whole thing are like. Or maybe he's Brawler. I don't know. What's with Puck's ear on this issue? Is his ear always been that enormous? Yeah, I think so. That's like a Puck thing that I've just never noticed? He's a dwarf with big old, like, puffy ears, yeah. Is it just one ear or both of them? I think it's both ears. Hmm. But he, yeah, he speaks for everybody and he's like, this is our cross to bear. Do us a favor, Loki, and take off, eh, you hoser? We ain't interested. <laughs> so be it, thine fools. 
The fire fountain fades. Loki disappears. And you're like, the issue should be over, but yet there's still six pages left. Um, Shaman and Snowbird come back to being okay. Snowbird turns into an owl and flies away. Shaman gets his medicine bag back. Um, Nightcrawler changes into his pilot outfit for some reason. Madeline changes into her pa- uh, pilot outfit. This, this happened. Like every like Colossus is still not wearing a shirt. Wolverine still got rags on. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sasquatch has normal clothes on. You guys go change. I don't feel like it. <laughs> Me and Colossus are just going to hang out naked in the plane. <laughs> North Star says that he'll fly back. Heather's like, "Are you going to be part of Alpha Flight?" And he's like, "I don't know." No. I guess I'll respect Aurora's choice, even though I don't like it. But our bond is what made our partnership. Without that, I don't know if, uh, if I can be a part of the team. We'll see. Keep reading next, or keep reading Alpha Flight. <laughs> Everybody gets on the plane, and uh, that's when the professor's like, "Wait, I can't sense Rachel. She's not on board." I apparently just decided to do like a count, <laughs> a head count, a head count. It's everybody. And, uh, Rachel's not here. They were using the buddy system, and the professor's like, wait, my buddy's not here. <laughs> and so Cyclops, he gets out. Rachel's like, Scott, he lost his mind. Where is it going? Rachel's still out. Uh, Rachel is still outside Madeline, and Cyclops thinks to himself, what, what is her deal? <laughs> she's putting us all in danger. <laughs> Yeah. What a what a wacko. So she's... Madeline says, nobody else gets to follow. Uh, we can't risk having everybody leave the plane. Uh, we will leave. We'll give them time to get back, but we, we will take off, even if Cyclops and Rachel don't get back. All of this seems weird, like uh, Madeline's outbreak, and uh, like nobody goes after him because we got to stay here. This thing isn't collapsing. There's not like a countdown doomsday machine. Isn't there? I thought there was. I don't think so. I think there is. Uh, hold on. Do, 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 do. I could swear. Doesn't matter. Cyclops has an internal monologue about how stupid this girl is, and uh, maybe Loki's still around hiding traps, and we'll have to be safe. Rachel's off in the corner. She's like, I'm okay, Cyclops. And she's like, oh, figures it'd be him. <laughs> I didn't mean to alarm anybody. I'll, I'll just be a minute. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm packing up some of the smoke. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm just doing something. Should I tell him? I'm told you're from the future. Uh, I am. Yep, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> they So they have a conversation. They exchange some phrases that I guess each other is familiar with. My dad, he used to say, as long as you're alive, it's never too late. Did your father die in the future? Oh, All yes. the X-Men died. So your father was an X-Man. Wait a minute. Was I your father? <laughs> this word balloon is a little confusing to me because, and by the way, I, it'll be too late. So why worthy? My dad used to say, so are they jointly saying this? As long as you're alive, it's never too late. Because then the word balloon points at both of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you see that? So it, it uh, That's a mistake. Uh, it seems to me like Rachel is finishing off Cyclops's sentence. Oh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so, but maybe. That's interesting. It's really weird. Why would Cyclops is... Okay, so maybe maybe he did... Okay, so Cyclops started to say, my dad, he used to say... And then Rachel and then picks she, up. She finishes it because Cyclops has told her, her the story all the time. Right. Okay, that, that makes sense. It's kind of interesting. 
And then, you know, he goes on to say, you know, you remind me a lot of someone. Good or bad? Good. She was very dear to me. And when she died, all the light went out of my life, uh, or light joy went out of my life. A part of me will always miss her. I never imagined I'd ever be as happy and fulfilled again until I met Madeline. It isn't the same, but that doesn't mean it can't be as good or maybe even better. See, now that's some good dialogue. Yeah. My ma, or my ma. I think this, this whole scene is good. Yeah, no, this, this, is the only, this is the only part of this comic that's worth anything. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, my mom had a saying, everybody deserves a second chance. Smart lady. Yeah, when they made my folks, they broke the mold. I'm not going to tell them. Funny, I was just thinking the same thing about you. Oh, oh. my God, I think she's my kid. <laughs> or, oh my God, I have a crush on her. <laughs> All of a sudden, I have a feeling I don't need to tell him. And And this is like... Remember in X-Men Apocalypse, I said the one thing that I liked about it was, well, I liked a few things, but the the one thing that I said I liked was the fact that everybody knew that Quicksilver was Magneto's kid, except for Magneto. <laughs> right. And that was very X-Men. Yeah. Aha! Yeah, I know that this is the, I think this is the birth of that. But it, I mean, it, that it could be directly related. Yeah. Well, th that's a staple of Marvel comics. I mean, you'll you'll have uh, on the Avengers, everybody knows somebody loves the other person except for the person that that person loves or whatever. Right, right. It's yeah, it's it's a staple of Marvel. It's definitely a staple of the X Men. So we finally get to the last page, and basically, there's a lot yeah, of something about a rose. Yeah, something about it all fell apart, but a rose grew. The end. I don't. I don't know what the meaning of this rose is. Uh, it's a defiant patch of life amidst Loki's desolation. Does this return? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> I don't care. This last panel was stupid, um, <laughs> but for the most part, I liked this issue. Um, it did have its slow parts. It did not need to be double sized. I thought it was boring. I thought parts of it were boring. <laughs> I thought it was very long. It was very boring. Uh, I thought there was a glimmer of an interesting story that was muddied up, I think, with the desire to fill too many pages with exposition and stuff. Not very good exposition either. No. So uh, I guess the stuff that he, Chris Claremont is good at is the character stuff. But when it's these broad plot concepts, it didn't really work very well in this one. So, you know, in the, in the library of Marvel comics, whether it's X-Men, Avengers, Hulk, what have you, there are some stories that you'll go back to, uh, you'll pick up off the shelf and be like, oh, yeah, and then you'll find yourself two hours later being like, oh, man, I, I read that again. I, I would never read this again. <laughs> but I, I might go back to read the Rachel stuff. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe you get far enough into X-Men or Excalibur and you're like, how did this thing happen? Because I guess, I mean, this is essentially the books where Rachel meets Cyclops. So Right. That's kind of a big deal. If, when I was initially reading X-Men, I'd seen some of their interactions together. But at some point, uh, you know, X-Factor occurs, X-Men happens, and they don't see each other for a very long time. But in that time, Rachel keeps wanting to call or talk to Cyclops, and she can't bring herself to do it. And then I was like, but wait a minute, didn't they meet at some point? Because... She's an X-Man. Cyclops was the leader of the X-Men. What's going on here? Do does she ever does she ever tell him? Yes. But not for a really long time. Okay. I don't think I've ever read that. It yeah. Or maybe I haven't, I just forgot. Well, all right. It happens, I think, in Inferno, and I don't remember if Inferno resulted in a big mind wipe, so <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Okay. 
So there you have it. Uh, if uh, you'd like to let us know what you thought of X-Men and Alpha Flight, please drop us a line. Danger Room at RedCatProductions.com, www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash X-Men Podcast. We can be followed at Danger Room Go. You can call us at 501-GET-X-Men. Go out to iTunes, go into the podcast section, type up Danger Room. We'll be the first podcast that shows up. Subscribe to us, leave us a review, drop us some stars, uh, subscribe, whatever you'd like. And with that, if this episode wasn't long enough already, we did some additional reading. Uh, we read Marvel Team Up 149, which I could sum up in a sentence. I'd like to, to just say that. I did not read 149. There was no reason to really. Um, unless you're like a huge Cannonball fan. Oh, I love Cannonball. No, I leafed through it. I, I skimmed it, but I was like, this Yeah, is- Cannonball and Spider-Man fight the incandescent man. That's all you need to know. <gasps> the incandescent man? I don't know if he ever comes back. He doesn't. Uh, his, but his sister is a major player in this issue. I don't know if she ever comes back. There's a, yeah, right. There's like a whole revenge story going on with her, but a little bit more than that happens. Uh, Sam Guthrie is, he, he, Gets a little bit of confidence. He's working with Spider-Man, the big man himself. And uh, so this whole issue is kind of a confidence builder for him. He does at one point turn. Yeah, right. Which is sort of a big deal. It's a big deal for him. It's a little clumsy, he admits, but he's like, you know, you you taught me that if I just practice and I put myself uh, up to some challenges, I might be able to accomplish some things. Boy, the professor's going to be happy with me. He is drawn throughout this issue with this dumb look on his face. Yes. That really irritated me. Yes. It's the way his eyes are drawn. It's as if Bert Blevins, Brett Blevins, uh, didn't quite get all of the notes on Cannonball and decided that maybe this boy is a little special. Because <laughs> he's drawn kind of specially. And he's not. You know, he's just a southern guy who's just a little lower educated. But on the last page where he's got like these sunken eyebrows, it's like a very sad child who just... Yeah, he a... just looks very sad or very confused. And in the previous page, he's looking up at Spider-Man. He's got like this dopey grin on his face. Like, look what I did. Yeah, it's basically like, look. Yeah, so... But that's not really what we care about. What we care about is the last Marvel team-up, Spider-Man and the Uncanny X-Men, issue number 150. Also double-sized, and it's a dollar. Oh, my gosh. Although it's not, it is pretty (laughs) double-sized. And now a moment's silence before the action begins, is what the cover proclaims. Oh, this is a um, um, uh, Barry Windsor Smith cover, right? Sure looks like it. Uh, I don't see a name on it, but it certainly looks like a BWS. Yeah. The artist, or the penciler, is Greg LaRoque, who we've seen his work before, and I don't think that that cover is his. It looks very Barry Windsor Smith. I can't... A lot of hash marks, a lot of heavy shadowing. It's it's very similar to the way that he last drew uh, characters in Life Death. The, the characters look very similar to that. Yeah, so... Yep, on the cover you got uh, Rachel, Nightcrawler, uh, Rogue, Colossus, who will be teaming up with Spidey. Oh, yeah. Uh, The setup for this issue is once again, Spider-Man can't pay his rent. Aunt May is ignoring him because he dropped out of grad school because he's just got too many things on his plate. Something had to go. Something had to go and it was grad school. There's some girls that moved in that like to sunbathe on the roof. Uh, what else you got to know? He's got been trying to take some pictures, but Robbie Robertson is not really into the Spider-Man pictures. 
he needs something else. Supervillains, other superheroes. Yeah, he'll he'll take the Spider-Man pictures, but only if he's actually battling a supervillain. He doesn't want to see Spider-Man busting up muggers. So that's kind of the background of this issue, which was kind of the background of last issue as well. Yeah, in, in both issues, he complains that part of the reason that his photos are always out of focus is because he just kind of leaves his camera off to auto-click. I imagine he runs out of film very quickly. Hopefully he puts it on like a 30-second delay or something so that he can yeah, make a roll of film capture. He must have to. But that's uh, that's where we flip our attention over to Col- or Colossus. Uh, Juggernaut. <laughs> Juggernaut's back. Yay. We last saw Juggernaut at that bar. Yes. He was in a fight with Colossus. With Colossus, yeah. And prior to that, it was Spider-Man. And then prior to that, it was in Edinburgh right after uh, the Phoenix. Oh. Is that correct? I, I, Spider-Man, yes. I don't remember prior to that, but I, I, I trust you on this. I was trying to think if there was any other juggernauts between uh, right after Phoenix and that Spider-Man where he gets trapped in concrete. I couldn't think of anything. So not 100%, but like 99. Honestly, the last juggernaut I remember is when he was chasing after Beast when Beast first turned to blue. You know, I was thinking about that because in that whole series of issues we read, uh, the crimson bands of Sidorak were stolen or lost and he turned into an old man and died. Right. But then yeah. I think some entity brought him back to life somehow for some reason. And he fought Hulk. <laughs> like he was he was banished from some world because he was annoying. Some, oh, yeah. Anyway, okay. Lots of good Juggernaut stuff out there. But yeah, <laughs> Juggernaut, he's he's got a plan and he's in an airplane and... He's like, I'm. Where, are we above the the citadel? I think. Yes, <laughs> um, the in Asian jungle is what they say it is a temple, and he dives down and fights a small Korean army. Right, because remember, Juggernaut got his powers when he was fighting in the Korean army, the Korean War, that is. And so he he fights this little army, and uh, he gets real mad at some tanks, ties them together. He finds that old familiar cave which houses the uh, ruby of Sidorak, the jewel that made him unstoppable. What a great present. Tom will love it. Apparently it is Black Tom's birthday coming up mm-hmm. and he feels really bad because he messed up the whole Madam Web thing from the Spider-Man issues that we covered um, because Spider-Man buried him in concrete. Interestingly enough, it's also Aunt May's birthday and Spider-Man's looking for a present for her and he's thinking that he might want to get the hat from Saks that Cannonball got last issue when he met Cannonball. That's true. It's all connected. It sure is. So he grabs that that ruby of Sidorak and he's like, I'm going to give this to Black Tom and he's going to be powerful because he would like to be powerful. He's going to be powerful like me. We're both going to be juggernauts. Huzzah! Uh... We cut to Peter Parker, who is going, who is now hanging out with the uh, bikini-clad women on the roof, and they want him to take their pictures. And he's like, "Oh, well, all right." And the girls also have uh, some inns with a restaurant they work at, so they got some roast beef and salad and chocolate cake. And he's like, "Oh my god!" And that is what sells Peter Parker. He's like, "I'm so hungry." It's not the girls; it's the promise of chocolate cake. Because Spider-Man's been living on peanut butter for quite a while. So as we transition over to the X-Men, they're in the danger room doing typical danger roomy things. Uh, there's a little back and forth about, I absorb powers. I turn into organic steel. I'm Nightcrawler. 
<laughs> Rachel, you're from a distant time, which may not be the same as our time, and you have telepathy and telekinesis. Yes, I do. Uh, Rogue's costume shows that this is from quite a, uh, a while back. That's what I was going to ask, is where do you think in the timeline or issue-wise this falls? Well, it is... Uh, Rachel has been established. Yep. So I'm thinking that maybe Rogue's costume is just wrong. Uh, it's possible. This is like an off day. The rest of the costumes are in uh, the wash. Um, Wolverine's not in this, so presumably he's in Japan with Kitty because she's also not in this. Okay. Um, and Storm doesn't appear to be in this either, so recent. But uh, yeah, her clothes are in the wash. So maybe this is right after the Kulan Goth stuff. Um and, bef- and before the fun and games, because fun and games with Magus basically has this character set minus Rachel. So, so maybe right. it's after maybe it's after fun and games. It could be, but the problem with that I guess there's really no problem with that. It could be. Or you know what? This could be that time frame between Magus and when the professor gets mugged. Or this could be while the professor uh, is missing. Oh, I like that. Because I would imagine that when the Morlocks took him, he was missing for a, l- a little bit. Yeah, and they're they're just like used to it. Yeah, well, the professor. <laughs> I mean, they're worried about him and stuff, but it's been a month. Yeah, they're just doing stuff. I don't know. So and maybe Wolverine and Kitty are out looking for him. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> All right. Well, somewhere between one ninety. And 193, but not before 190 and not after 193. It's definitely before 194. Yes, but I was wondering, like, is it immediately before 194? Because that'd be dumb. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly, I mean, it's pretty much the same story for the most part. Yeah. Okay, well, anyways, um, yeah, the X-Men, here are the X-Men, they all get introduced, and... uh, they they see something on the TV about the juggernaut um, invading Korea. Nightcrawler's dialogue has no... Well, he does say mind fruits, but most of it is like, five out of six that time, not bad. You teleported down here to tell us that, Nightcrawler? Yep, you look beat, but one more try, how to do it? It doesn't feel like Nightcrawler. It like doesn't. He's, he's missing his, like, yeah, yeah, sort of. No, it's it's a, it's a, it's a guest writer. It's a non-Chris Claremont writer. Yeah. He sounds like Cyclops in this issue. Nightcrawler's been in the files because he's like, that's the ruby of Sidorak, the mystical stone that gave him his powers. He's Kane Marco, rogue, Professor Xavier's stepbrother. Rachel gives us a little bit of information that I didn't know. Uh, perhaps he wants to share this power, Rachel says. He did so in the future, at least in my timeline, because Black Tom asked it. He aided us, but will it happen here in the past i've blundered into which is so different from my own so in rachel's past black tom said hey juggernaut go give me that ruby because i want to help the mutants fight these sentinels Mm, yeah that's it's confusing the layout i was thinking that when colossus says but kane possesses the juggernaut power that's when she says he did so in the future at least in my time because tom asked it he aided us so the because of the confusion of these the layout of these bubbles the only thing that i took from this was that juggernaut was on the good guy's side in the future oh because tom tom asked them to be oh i took it that black well okay maybe that's true but i took it that definitely black tom was on the side of the x-men yes okay and And juggernaut was too and the implication is that juggernaut was asked by tom to join the x-men and that's the only reason he did it oh 
I'm 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 inferring more that the jewel was obtained and shared with Black Tom as well. But I see that too, but it makes no sense, so I ignored it. Okay. <laughs> Either and way, the reason I say it makes no sense is just because the dialogue is clunkier. I I don't know. It doesn't. I I don't know. It's it's not clear enough for me to be concrete. So I just ignored it. It it probably doesn't matter because really I don't think this is ever mentioned again. Probably not. <laughs> so meanwhile, uh, Peter's looking at the uh, paper. I think he's I don't know, waiting for a lead, looking for a lead, and that's when he sees the Juggernaut holding the crystals of the ruby of Sidorak. He's like, "Oh my God, it's the Juggernaut! How do you get out of concrete? I better get my camera, and my 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 costume on." Jeremy, there is a hat sale at Saks. Prices are half price. Oh, you know what that means? Cannonball got ripped off. He sure does. <laughs> Uh, Peter also laments the loss of his black suit. Um, yeah, he did that in the last issue too. What's he interesting says, is uh, this is the last issue of um, Marvel Team Up, but in six weeks, the first issue of Web of Spider Man occurs, in which he has a epic fight with his black costume. Mm-hmm. So it's like they just can't let it go, even though they want to let it go. Oh, they are not letting it go for a while. <laughs> There's no venom yet. Oh, that's right. So he's off. Uh, he's off and he's thinking about, uh, Liz and Harry Osborn and, and Spider-Man-y type stuff, uh, and his camera and whatnot. And then we cut to the silliest couple of pages ever. Black yes. Tom's birthday party. <laughs> Is a butler, three women and Black Tom. <laughs> Juggernaut comes in with his gift wrapped ruby of Sidorak in a tiny box. <laughs> I guess he's the Juggernaut. So nobody was like, you can't go in there. Cause he's probably like, I'm the Juggernaut. He's got a happy birthday, Tom cake. As every villain should have. <laughs> Tom's like, why are you in your costume? And like Juggernaut's like, oh, I didn't have any time to take it off. You know, I got these bolts here to put the to keep to keep it the keep the helmet on. But here's your present. Black Tom's like, have some cake, have some wine. No, no, open my present, he says like a little child. <laughs> All right, lad, I'll open it if it'll please you. What is it? It's a ruby. I'm growing, Kane. What's happening to me? My clothes. Rip. What's the matter, Tom? You don't like it? Juggernaut in this issue is presented as a child. Oh, yeah. Big, in a big <laughs> bad way. Uh, so back at the mansion, uh, Colossus is wearing a very goofy costume. I guess that's what it looks like when he's not armored up, but it looks silly. Can Cerebro locate black Tom Nightcrawler? Well, I fed in Tom's mental patterns from Professor X's records, Colossus. If Cerebro doesn't find Tom in two minutes, it's not the mutant detector I think it is. Bingo, Manhattan. Let's go, folks. Yeah, because Cyclops is at the mansion wearing a Nightcrawler costume. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. <laughs> How they conceal his optic blast is beyond me. Must be some really good contacts. Is it possible? No, because in the Marvel way, the scripts aren't written first. But I, I was imagining that, like, in the script, all these dialogue lines are Cyclops. And then somebody was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. We'll make a Nightcrawler. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Who's, who wrote this issue? Brett Blevins. I don't know. Uh, Louise Simonson. So she should know. She should know. She should know better. Yeah. I have no idea. Maybe she, yeah, I don't know. This, could this possibly just be a script that was laying around that are like, let's make this the final Marvel team up. And they punched it up a little bit. Yeah, probably. Anyhow. Okay. So they're heading off. Although it can't really be that old because Rachel's here and she's an established member of the team. Maybe she wasn't in the original draft. She she adds very little to the script. She does, but then you're you're inferring that the script was written first and not the pages drawn first. Right, which doesn't make any sense with right. what we know. <laughs> right. Uh, they don't do that until 
what, Joe Casada or who's the guy that writes everything now? Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, so Black Tom and Juggernaut start to fight. It's sort of a chaotic situation. And uh, Black Tom's like, why'd you do this for me? And put me back. And Juggernaut says, I can't. And Black Tom knocks him out the window and he crashes into this man. And then Juggernaut's like, you hit me. And he climbs up the wall and he punches Black Tom and throws him out the window. It makes me mad, says Juggernaut. I'm really mad, and everybody's angry. And Well, not not only did Black Tom hit Juggernaut, but Juggernaut felt it. And Juggernaut doesn't usually feel oh, that's right. impact yes. or pain. So this makes him doubly, triply mad. So it's almost like the ruby of Sidorak is making Black Tom a little bit dumber. Yeah, yeah. They also deduce that Juggernaut's getting a little bit smaller. Well, that that comes later, but yeah, that that definitely is another ruby of Sidorak side effect. But they're fighting. They're punching one another. Uh, they're being engulfed in flames. Both of them feel the flames. Uh, and that's when Black Tom is like, Juggernaut, calm yourself, lad. I can feel the flames too. And you're looking a bit smaller than you did. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're fighting in the street now and they blew up a car. That's why they're in the middle of a fire. And then that's when Spider-Man sees the fire and he's like, oh, I better go check it out. Oh, it looks like that little small uh, Irish guy. Irish? Is he Irish? Scottish uh, Irish guy is fighting the juggernaut. I'll, I'll let he seems to be doing well. I'll, I'll get some photos. He starts taking some pictures, and that's when Juggernaut's like, "Hey, Spider Man, this is his fault. If he hadn't stopped me from getting Madam Web, then I would have never have thought of getting you the stupid ruby." Spider Man, and each us with half the Juggernaut power. Between the two of us, we should more than be a match for him, eh, laddie? So they fight. Uh, Spider Man drops they his. Fight. They fight, 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 fight. The Black Tom and Juggy Show. Spider Man drops his camera, and he's he's. Oh, that that can't be good for the camera, right? And so he joins in the fray. He's fighting. Black Tom almost steps on his tiny, tiny camera, but Spider-Man saves him. Yeah, he's fighting Black Tom. Rescues his camera. Uh, Black Tom and Juggernaut are talking to one another. Uh, Black Tom is now forgiving him. Don't let it worry you, lad. It was an unusual gift, and the change is as good as uh, the rest, as any old, as my old nanny used to say. So I guess Black Tom is now accepting his Juggernaut abilities. He thinks it's kind of cool. Spider-Man casts a giant web net. Juggernaut's like, he tried this once before. We can just walk right through it. Watch. And Spider-Man is waiting for, he has somehow predicted that Juggernaut is going to walk over a manhole cover. He won't be paying attention. And at the last second, he whips the manhole cover out from under him, which causes Juggernaut to lose his balance, which causes the web, which is stretched way forward to snap Juggernaut back straight into Black Tom. Kane, lad, watch out. We get a close-up of Black Tom's face going, ugh. <laughs> Yep, the irresistible force met with the immovable object. Courtesy of your neighborhood, Spider-Man. They go crashing into a building. Uh, Black Tom now has his little stick, his shillelagh? 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 Well, I think the L-A-G-H is going to be like an H sound, so shillelagh? and shoots at spider-man and they're about to get rid of spider-man and that's when we hear from off panel and i thought we had all the time in the world to get here it's the x-men black tom proclaims that's 
That's Juggernaut and Black Tom. Juggy looks smaller than the photos, and Tom looks a whole lot bigger. So Rogue has never fought either of these two, so she's been studying the files. The, she she says the photos. She does, she does. But so just... there there's clearly some photos in the files. And, yep. And she saw Juggernaut on TV earlier too, and they they uh, did a little profile of him. Right. On the way over, it was like, what do you need to know about the Juggernaut? Well, he's smaller than he used to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Spider-Man's like, the X-Men, swell, they're just what I need. Uh, for all I know, those unpredictable e- egomaniacs will side with the villains. Spidey remembers a recent misunderstanding during the Secret Wars. Do you? No, I. what's a Secret War? <laughs> I do, but... I, I thought that didn't matter. I thought that by the end of it, everybody was happy with each other. Right. I thought so, too. Apparently, Spider-Man has held a grudge. He forgot about the joyousness that happened at the end of that issue. They did. Uh, they did. There was that point where they made they made Spider-Man look like a, a dumb face. Did they? Yeah. It, it, they, he got mind wiped or something. I forget. I don't really remember. As far as I'm concerned, that never happened. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they, they fight. Rachel, Rogue, get back. His force bolts can hurt you, but they do not affect me. Oh, this is Colossus. As Black Tom learned when we last met, Spider-Woman something. So we covered that Spider-Man issue, so they were in that too. So Rachel on this page here uh, where Black Tom is shooting his shillelagh, is that her floating? Yeah, it looks like it. So again, I feel like this is just established in X-Men Alpha Flight. This might have been written after that then? And just... Somebody was confused about costumes? X-Men Alpha Flight took place... Well, okay, now we can still... X-Men Alpha Flight takes place before X-Men 193. I believe X-Men Alpha Flight is where... But I think it was published after 193. This might have been published after... Oh, right. Those might have been published after 193, but they take place before, don't they? If this is Rachel floating, which was just established in X-Men Alpha Flight, and she's not wearing a costume, because I think she... Didn't she have a costume in X-Men Alpha Flight? Maybe. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of stories were written at the same time, maybe, and things were floating around the office. It doesn't matter, though. This This story will never be referenced by anything. Black Tom, he lifts up a building and drops it on... Tries to drop it on the X Men. I this is that's kind of cool. Yeah, I like this panel of the building landing, and we see a little bump. Rachel uses her psi powers to shield everybody that's around from the falling stone debris. And I shall snatch Spider Man from harm's way before he comes to further injury. Blast! Why can't I get it through my head? This isn't my past. Here, Black Tom and Juggernaut are deadly menaces, and they should be stopped before anybody is injured. Blah 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 blah. I don't know the way she's dressed, the way she's acting, really seems like early Rachel. Yeah, it does. But okay, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll they, stop. That's that, how they're all dressed. This is uh, R- R- Colossus's weird, uh, stupid costume as well. I mean, we've seen a lot of stories that get published years after they occur chronologically. I think this is no different. Yeah, I think so, too. Although, I guess, where do you pinpoint it with Spider-Man's black costume? Uh, we don't care about that. Grad school. I mean, that's how you truly pinpoint where this exists. But and there, there are websites dedicated to that sort of thing. And we are not going to take the time to look those up. Not today. Spider uh, Nightcrawler does his little bamfing around thing to punch Black Tom a whole bunch of times. Always cool. Mm-hmm. It's really the only thing he does. So. Pretty much. Uh, there's some more fighting here. Black Tom gets a hold of Nightcrawler eventually, but Rogue comes in and absorbs uh, 
Black Tom's powers. So essentially she becomes a juggernaut. She grows in size, height, and width. And now she's a juggernaut. And Tom shrinks. Tom shrinks, yep. Rogue is naturally strong, but now she is stronger. Stronger than she had imagined possible. So her and Juggernaut go toe-to-toe for a little bit there. Rachel's trying to uh, mind-wipe or mind-control Juggernaut, but she can't get through the helmet. So Rogue jumps onto Juggernaut and starts prying the helmet off. But remember, it's bolted on. Uh, But she's making some headway. But eventually the powers revert back to Black Tom. So she's losing her strength, and she's she's being crushed, actually, by the Juggernaut, so she's not able to continue pulling the helmet off. Uh, it, it turns out that the powers, when the, when, the, when the powers leave Rogue, they don't actually go back to Black Tom or Juggernaut, and it's surmised by Spider-Man that they've gone back to the crystal. Right. Colossus jumps in, and he, he finally yanks off uh, Juggernaut's helmet. This was my favorite part of the issue. <laughs> but uh, it's revealed that Juggernaut has a second helmet, a skull cap that's made up of the leftover metal bits of his helmet. It was Tom's idea. He said it was insurance that nothing and nobody can get through to me, and they can't. I- I've always liked this element of Juggernaut's costume. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of neat. Yeah. And true enough, Rachel tries to use mind powers, and she can't. She can't get past the, the metal skull cap that he's wearing. Uh, and so Rachel, so now Rogue is like, well, all right, I'm going to absorb your powers. So- and she grows again, and Juggernaut shrinks to the size of an or- ordinary man. But Rogue gets a little bit too much, and she starts taking on too much of the Juggernaut's personality. I like this panel. I mean, this whole panel gives you a lot, lot of information about Juggernaut. Most of it, I, I think, we knew, but yeah, we get the we get the whole Juggernaut. Um, some of it we didn't know, though. Um, yeah, he's abused by his his father. I think he was competing with his uh, older biological brother. He's uh, bullied by older, larger boys in school and ridiculed by teachers for being not that smart. Then this stepbrother, Charles Xavier, comes in and he's all full of himself. He hates him for his intellect, his abilities. Uh, Charles Xavier looks into his mind and knows it all. And Kane hates him for his intellect, his ability. He hates them all. And so Rogue can't handle this. And she, she kind of actually turns into Juggernaut a little bit. And she's like, no, Spider-Man, the X-Men, you spoiled it and you're gonna pay. Rogue, she's confused like... She isn't sure who she is anymore. Let me explain. <laughs> yeah. So Colossus explains the plot. Uh, very quickly, the powers revert, though, out of Rogue. She's in a very nice panel, very uh, showing panel. She's distraught. She's crying. She's uh, uh, innocent and helpless here. The juggernaut power, it's left me. It's returned to the the jewel. And we cut to... Uh, a cool panel of uh, Juggernaut uh, raising the jewel up, uh, Link, Legend of Zelda style. Do 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 do. So the pose is good, but his body he needs to get on the treadmill. I mean, he's very pear shaped here. Well, he's that's that's how Juggernaut is. <laughs> uh, yeah. He and throws the jewel into space, and he says, "Nobody's ever going to touch this thing again. I just got all the power back when I grabbed it. Nobody else getting it." Yep. And so it goes off into orbit, and that's when they, the X-Men and Spider-Man turn to look at the jewel as it goes off into space. They hear a crash, turn around, and it turns out that the Juggernaut and Black Tom have crashed their way into the sewer and are making their escape. And they're kind of walking casually because nobody's going to follow them at this point. Yeah. 
Like, should we follow him? Like, nah. And they kind of make amends. They're like, oh, I'm sorry about that present. Oh, don't worry about it. It's the best day I've had in a long time. You may not believe it, Kane, but I always envied your power just a little. But now that I know what having the juggernaut power is like, I think I understand you a little better. And that, my friend, is the best present you could have given me. Really, Tom? You betcha! <laughs> so, yeah, a little bit of friendship bonding here between uh, Black Tom and, and Colossus. I mean, uh, uh, Juggernaut. And Spider-Man and the, the X-Men, too. Spider-Man says, you know... I got you. I, I pegged you guys wrong, and they shake hands, and the cops show up, and the X Men leave, and Spider Man leaves too. Spider Man drops the pictures off, or well, develops the pictures, but apparently they're all blurry, and he surmises that when he dropped it, he got a little bit of webbing in the uh, camera when he swiped it away from Black Tom, and it turns out that the only pictures he has are of those girls that moved in that sunbathe on the roof. Which is great news because Robbie Robertson's beauty pageant spread was lost, so he needs pictures of pretty women. And Peter can get them. And more. And Peter's yay. like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I get to take pictures of women and eat chocolate cake. Oh, comic books. So, there you go. The last issue of Marvel Team-Up number 150. One more story about Juggernaut and Black Tom that I didn't know existed. Those are always fun. I, Juggernaut's got the weirdest history ever. He does. I, I liked that issue more than I liked the Alpha Flight X-Men issue. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. And they even tried to sprinkle in a little bit of uh, Rachel uh, future timeline stuff. So the question I have, and I wonder if we'll find this out. This is the thing that never really made any sense because... Cyclops will come back to the team for just a little bit. Does he not read the files? Because Rachel's last name is clearly Summers. They put that out. They didn't put that into the files. So the professor's like, well, in case Scott ever comes back, let's just call her Rachel. Because in the Marvel Universe, some people just have one name, like Logan, or no <laughs> name at all, like Rogue. Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing... One thing I found hard to swallow about a lot of these comics is the lack of names. And I understand that they probably just didn't know what they wanted to name these characters. They left it a mystery, but I don't know. Maybe the, in the files, she's Rachel Gray. And Cyclops is like, well, that's interesting. How weird. From the future, huh? <laughs> that can't be. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, anything else, Adam? Next issue, we return to the X-Men and more Juggernaut. What? I know, right? So get ready for the same story, but just a lot better. <laughs> At least it is in my mind, from what I okay. remember. So until that time, uh, or until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Closed.